work really hard at kids camp, you don't have 180 kids in the building without a ton of people making a difference, right? Working hard and, um, and really blessing their lives. Uh, and, and I want to thank you. For, uh, you know, if you've prayed, like we ask you to pray, that God would really reveal himself and work in these kids' lives, I want to thank you for that as well. Um, and to Joanne and to Barb, my thanks also. You know, I want to thank Brennan. Where is he? Because he was the guy who gave oversight to the whole deal. He's probably on his way to his chair. But he, uh, he worked hard too. There he is. Let's give him a hand. <laughs> Brennan's our uh, youth pastor, for those of you who might not, uh, not, might not be aware of that. But it's been a good week. And uh, we're very thankful for everyone. I want to talk this morning about uh, what people think about God. And I want to ask you, what do you think about God? You know, we've been telling kids all week long that God is good. And that in his very being at the core of who God is, is goodness. And you know, you see these signs on the wall that in any circumstance that we might find ourselves, there's this thing about God that is just so right, so good. You know, I know there is, there's a lot of variety about what people think about God. Um, you know, some people don't tend to think about God at all. It's like they do life and they're oblivious to God's reality. They just don't go there in their mind or in their heart. Um, there are people who don't believe there is a God, of course, atheists, and they probably don't think a lot about God they don't believe in, obviously. Uh, there's not much there to think about. And then there are people who have sometimes have a real problem with God. Have you ever met some of those folks? Might be you, I don't know. But I heard someone quoted a, a few weeks ago, and the comment that was quoted to me from another person was, this person said, I hate God. Now, interesting point to be made there, number one, that person has a belief in God. You can't hate something or someone you don't believe in. But something has happened in that person's life that has turned their heart away from God. It is, uh, I would suggest some tra kind of tragic experience and they blame God for it. I don't know that reality, but this, this hatred has settled in. It's sad. Um, sometimes people are way more ambivalent about God. You know, they believe God is there, but don't think of, about much of his influence in their life. It's almost like you can take God or you can leave him, that kind of attitude. My guess is that these are the people who envision God as sitting on a throne in heaven, an old man with a long beard who often dozes off. Ever thought of God like that? Um, and then there, of course, there are people who follow Christ and, 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 and who have a, a maybe a different sense about who God is. But even among Jesus' followers, my experience is uh, that there's a wide opinion about the reality of God when you really dig deep into people's minds and their hearts. Well, today I want to go to the Bible. That's what we do here at IPC. We always go to this book that we believe God has given to us where God reveals himself to us. He tells us who he is. So it kind of makes sense to go there, right, to figure this out. Um, and we're going to look at Psalm 84. The Psalms, for those of you who may not be too familiar, are... Um, a bunch of chapters, about 150 chapters, when they were written in Hebrew a long time ago, they were poetry. They still are poetry. But you can't quite understand that as much when they're translated into English. So kind of the, the, the reality of the poem goes away to some degree. But they are poetic works. They were often put to music and they were sung as hymns and praise and so forth. Most of them written by the incredible King David, the king of Israel. <coughs> Excuse me. He was a warrior, but he was also a musician and he was also a poet. An incredible man. And, uh, you know, th these, are, these are chapters, these are poems, these are songs which just allow us, through David's experience, for the most part, to figure out what it means to live in relationship with God. Remarkable, remarkable uh, things. 
But anyway, I want to go to Psalm 84 today, and I, I want to read to you um, just a little bit about one man's perspective on God, his thoughts about God. Chapter 84, verses 1 and 2 to begin. It says this. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. You know, that's interesting content when, you, when you're thinking about thinking about God, right? You know, the idea that this author comes with is that he basically loves to be with God. <coughs> Excuse me, are you like that at all? You know, it's, he says, how lovely is your dwelling place, that place of worship, which he's describing, actually, and, and, and his longing to be there. He just wants to be in God's presence. You see, this man seems to know God, and because he knows God, he, he completely wants to be in God's presence. He wants to be with God. Verse 3 and 4, carry on. Let, let me read them to you. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself. For she may have her young a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those, note that, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. You know, again, the, the message being sent, if you are able to get close to God, if you can dwell in the house of God, you are a blessed person. You're better off. Goodness has come to you. And the psalmist ends up, as you've seen, praising God, singing, if you would, about who God is and how awesome a reality he has found God to be. Everything in this man's mind about God is incredibly good. It's incredibly positive. And again, I want to ask you, what do you think about God? Where are you at in this with him? What's really there? Well, I want to focus in on verse 3 today especially. It's different, I know, and I kind of think it's pretty cool, but it's one of those little, um, if we could put up th verse 3 again, guys, one of those little verses that you can just kind of blow over and not give a lot of thought to and think, well, there's nothing of great significance in that uh, verse. But I, I want us to think about this, especially at the beginning. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young a place near your altar. You know, little birds have found a home and built a nest near the altar of God, near God, in his presence. What does this mean? What's the point here? Well, I want to tell you a little story about what happened to me this past week, and hopefully that will illustrate something of the reality of this verse for you. I was in my backyard on my deck looking at my fence. I built a fence, people. <laughs> and it's a good-looking fence. Someday maybe I'll show you a picture. But uh, I was looking at my fence and, you know, the shrubs and, you know, so forth. And I saw this little bird in the mulch. And I mean little. Turns out the parents were about this tall. And this, this bird was like that tall, but, you know, with the really fluffy feathers. You could tell it's just out of the nest. Very, very young. And the, and the parents would swoop in and, and feed the little bird. And, and you know, uh, they would make noise if, if anything came close to this little one because they thought it was in danger. Well, as I watched for several days... Um, and the little bird became more active, started to hop a little more as it began to grow. You know what my primary thought was? My primary thought was this, man, I hope the neighborhood cats don't come for a visit. Because you know what would happen if the neighborhood cats would come for a visit? By the way, I'm not a cat guy. I'm a, I like dogs. I hate cats. Just, you know, put that out there. Because they kill little birds. <laughs> I could go further into that, but that again is for another day. 
But you, you know, the question in my mind, man, if those cuts come near, this, this, this bird's a goner. The point is, this little bird was vulnerable. It was vulnerable. Um, it could be so easily killed. And you know, the parents would just madly chirp, even if we went close. But the reality is, they couldn't do anything to defend the little bird, right? Um, that's, of course, why birds make their nests high up in trees. Or on, you know, the, uh, uh, on light fixtures or wherever they can get high up off the ground. Because when they're high up off the ground, they are safe. Um, and I want to read to you again verse 3 in that light. Even the sparrow has found a home and a swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. See, what this verse is saying to us is that God is safe. Is that what you think about God? Is that what you believe about him? So that the, you know, these, he's safe because these little birds can be near God, be in his presence, um, be in a home. Now, what's a home? And I know I'm about to describe the ideal home, and not all homes are ideal, tragically. Sometimes homes are a place uh, very different than what I describe. But what I'm going to describe to you is sort of a typical understanding of a good and healthy ideal home. But isn't a home a place of safety? Isn't home a place of care and of belonging? Isn't a home a place, <coughs> excuse me, where we can retreat from the demands of life and rest and be restored, find peace? A home is not a place of threat. And a home is not a place of danger. See, what's being said in this innocuous little verse, this verse which seems to just kind of be read without us being impacted by it, is something of great impact. What's being said here is that this God whom we believe in, he is a safe God. A safe God. You know... <clears throat> I ask you this because I think a lot of people don't believe God is safe. I ask you this because in my experience, and as I'll tell you in my own experience, there have been times in my life where actually people think that God is unsafe. God even may be a threat to my life. God may be even dangerous. Um, so people tend to stay away from God because of that. If indeed that's what they think. <clears throat> Sometimes, you know, people consider, you know, having uh, a closer relationship with God, you know, getting into his presence like on a Sunday morning as we are now, having a relationship with God. But they think God is a bit of a threat to their lives because they honestly believe if I were to let God into my life, you know what, he would just take away all my fun. He would impose rules and regulations on my life and my life would become less than what it is right now. That's a threat to me and I'm not interested Sometimes people think God is a threat or even dangerous because they think about all the wrong things they've done and they know God's a holy God and they think <clears throat> when they think of God, all they can think about is his judgment of them in their behavior. You know, the fact that he's unhappy with how they have acted at various times, either in life or in the present moment. They think of God as judge. They hear of a day when we who are the created will, will be judged, so the Bible says, by the creator. We are all accountable to God, the Bible says, and they think of that day. And everything they think about that moment scares them. And they think negatively about this God. 
who will judge. And I even think a lot of Jesus' followers find themselves to some degree or other in this reality. They think that God's not safe, at least to some degree or other, because of his judgment in their life or even his displeasure. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, I want you to take this seriously. I want you to think about it. Is that you? You know, you know that, that, that you think somehow you can't get too close to God because you're not good enough? Somehow you're not satisfying the demands of God enough so that you can't get into that place of safety with him? You know, sometimes we who follow Jesus think, yes, God is a God of love. But somehow, at least to some degree, there's a sense of judgment that comes with that love that really keeps people from feeling safe. And as a result, we sometimes keep up our guard. And sometimes we keep our distance from God. <clears throat> sometimes we're really careful with God. Because he's not quite safe. Well, I know that this is the case in the lives of some followers of Jesus because I lived a lot of my life like that. Um, I knew that God was a God of love. That's all over the pages of the Bible, but some small fraction of that understanding of this God of love contained a sense of judgment. Maybe 1%, maybe 2%. I didn't even know what was going on in my head for a lot of years. But there was some sense of that in me. And I want to tell you what the Bible says, God is a God of love. And when we grasp an understanding of that love at a deep level, all fear goes away. All of it. Let me read to you 1 John chapter 4, 18. It says this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. The one who has any kind of fear in their understanding of God hasn't come to a place where they truly understand the reality of perfect love, which is what God expresses to, to his people. Perfect love casts out how much fear? All fear. All fear. I want to read this to you in the message paraphrase of the Bible because it makes it kind of interesting as well. God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. We there yet? This way, love has the run of the house because uh, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ's. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear, since fear is crippling. A fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is one not yet fully formed in love. My friends, I want to tell you there is a message here for us, and a, a way to understand God that's going to take us forward into a relationship with him that draws us into his presence, where we find our being in his presence, what the psalmist early on called lovely, a place that we love to be. It's going to create in us a longing in our hearts to be in the presence of God. Is that in you? Romans 8, verse 1, another great verse. I love it. I love these verses. 
Paul writes the Apostle Paul, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. It's the same message. Nothing of condemnation exists in the heart of God toward us when we're in Christ. Profound message, an amazing message. The message very simply in all of this is that God is completely safe when we belong to Christ, when we are in relationship with Jesus, when we have been forgiven of our sin. And when we're in that place, rather than standing back and keeping our distance and being careful with the God who might be perceived as a threat, we are drawn toward him. And we're at home in him. And to tell you about the day I learned this profoundly. This was one of the most spiritual experiences I've ever had. Um, I was reading a, from the Bible about verses. It was actually a, a book with biblical verses in it about God's thoughts toward me. Which is what this boils down to, isn't it? Um, you know, verses like, from the Psalms, God formed me in my mother's womb. Think about that. When I was being formed in the womb of my mother, God was there and active, creating me to be the person that I would become. God, my creator, making me who I am. How about this one from Zephaniah 3, that God delights over me with singing. Ever delighted over your child with singing? Heart bursting with love for that little one? If you've had a child, you know what I'm talking about. Matthew, Jesus said that God knows the number of hairs on our head. <laughs> what kind of God is like that, who cares that much for me, that he knows me that intimately? Well, after reflecting on these verses, I went in, into prayer, and all I can tell you is that God gave me a visual, a picture in my mind's eye with my eyes closed, very real, very profound. And in my mind's eye, I saw the love of God flowing from God into my soul, like a river, just kept on flowing into the core of my being, like a stream. And for the first time in my life, I experienced the love of God without judgment. <laughs> you know, completely without any sense of displeasure or somehow you're not good enough or, Chris, you did that, and I'm unhappy with you. All I experienced that moment was love, profound love in my heart. And that was the day God's love went from being true, because it's in the Bible and I believe it, to becoming real to me, deeply personal. Well, my response, uh, I had several responses. One was that I was emotional. I shed some tears. It was overwhelming encountering God like that. And that led me in time to where the psalmist was led, as we've described, to that place of experiencing joy and celebration, celebrating who God is, celebrating being in his presence with complete peace, safety, rest, no threat. And my mental response, I don't know whether I said it out loud or not, but it was like a profound thought came to my mind with my eyes closed. The thought was, God, is this really you? God, is this really you? Because the God I was encountering in that moment was not like the God I had known to that point. But it was God. <laughs> because the Bible describes him as I experienced him that day. 
a place where I belonged, a place where I could be at rest and at peace, a place of incredible care, a God who was safe, a God who was safe, with whom I could be, as were the little birds, <laughs> at home, at home. My friends, I want to tell you that's a reality that all of us can, can not only experience but believe to the core of our being because the Bible says Jesus came into this world and he died on a cross and as he died on the cross, he literally took all of my sin to himself, my guilt and my shame. He took it from me and he embraced it. And it, the Bible says so clearly there in those moments, um, Jesus paid the penalty for my sins so that I am no longer in the eyes of God um, in a place of punishment or of judgment or of condemnation. Because of Jesus, I am forever free of those things, as are those who trust in him. Let me read you Isaiah 53, 4 to 6. This is again going way back into the Old Testament, to the, the, the Hebrew scriptures. Um, and, and this is a prophecy of what Jesus would become. Verse 4, surely he, Jesus, took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace with God was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's a profound passage from the Bible, which speaks to the reality of everything I'm describing. And my friends, when we really believe it, and when we think about being in the presence of God, there is no more demand. There is no more striving to prove ourselves good enough. There is no more guilt, it is gone. There is no more sin, it is gone. There is no more condemnation. There is no judgment for those of us who find ourselves, as the Bible says, in Christ. It's not there. It's not there. And for those who can really believe this at a gut level, those who can find their way to embrace this belief as not only true but real, God becomes incredibly safe to us safe just like those little birds who flew and made a home near his altar near him because they knew they would be safe and they knew that their little birds which would hatch they too would be safe there was no threat there was no danger when we find ourselves in that place with god we love to be in his presence and like the psalmist says he is drawn he is hungry he is thirsty for more of god I'm here today to simply ask you the question, what do you think about God? Is God a threat to you? Is he somehow dangerous? Is he somebody you keep at a distance and you're careful with because of what he might say or do or think? Or have you moved beyond that into literally a place that the Bible describes to us, a place where all condemnation is gone and all fear is gone and all that is left? is the pure and beautiful love of God for us.
We're going to end with a song this morning, at least I'm going to. Um, it's a song I love. You know, it's one of my favorite songs. Um, you're going to see the words on the screen, and, but I want you to really listen to the words because the words of this song capture the truths of what this psalm is bringing to us. Another song <laughs> is bringing to us the truths of this song. And I want you to hear and I want you to open your heart and open your mind to the reality, as the song says, that we can boldly approach the throne of God, boldly, with confidence, no fear. That we're blameless <laughs> in the mind of God so that we can run home to him. That by the blood of Christ, we are welcomed as his own into the arms of majesty, into the incredibly safe arms of the majestic God. Hear it, the song when it says that we are free from condemnation, free from it, and understand the truth that is being described both in the song and Psalm 84, the truth that we are safe in him. And then let this song lead you to where the psalm goes, to a place of celebration. Utter praise for who God is and what he has done for us in Christ. Let him lead you to that place where you realize, as the song says, that he, Jesus, has put an end to all my sin. Let's listen to this. dim the lights by grace alone somehow I stand where even angels fear to tread invited by redeeming love Before the throne of God above, He pulls me close with nail-scarred hands into His everlasting arms. When condemnation grips my heart. Satan tempts me to despair I hear the voice that scatters fear Oh, the great I am, the Lord is here Oh, praise the one who fights for me shields my soul eternally Behold 
rising sun More beauty than this world has known I'm face to face with love himself His perfect spotless righteousness message you have given to us in this book the bible and even more lord what an incredible thing you have done for us in and through your son jesus 
where he went to the cross and he took our guilt and our shame and our condemnation and our punishment, all these words which are so clearly described in Scripture, he took all of that to himself that we might be free of it, fully, wholly, and completely free. So the Lord, when we think of you, we don't need to be afraid. We don't see threat. We don't see danger. We don't need to be careful. We don't need to keep our distance. Because, Lord, all that is in your heart toward we who are in Christ, we who have found faith in him and have been forgiven, all that is in our heart, in your heart for us, is love. God, I pray for every person in this uh, room today that you will lead them by your Holy Spirit to understand the profound truth of this love. Lord, if they need to come into relationship with you, if they need to find faith in you and find forgiveness in Jesus, that, Lord, they will. And, Lord, for people who are already there, I pray, Lord, they'll believe the truth. But more than that, I pray that they will know the reality of this love in their hearts and their minds. So that, yes, they will boldly approach you. No fear that they'll understand that they are blameless, that they'll run into your arms, that they'll recognize that what Christ has done is put an end to all of their sin. Lord God, make the reality of your love clear. Help us to believe it. Help us to live in it. And help us to celebrate it as we, like those little birds <laughs> described in Psalm 84, make their home close to you, a place of safety, a place of belonging, a place of care, like the psalmist himself, Lord, till that day comes when rather than staying away, we find ourselves longing to be with you, loving that place, living in it people who are living their lives and worshiping you. God, do this work in us, we pray, that we might feel safe with you. And this, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name.